This episode of the Duck Gun Podcast proudly brought to you by Gunner Kennels. Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate, and a five-star crash test-rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy testing just to show how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it, hammering it with a 630-pound sled, tossing it off a 200-foot cliff, and shooting it with a 12-gauge at seven paces with no pellet penetration. You're hitting the road with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Protect your best friend and protect your investment. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Jake from White Rock Decoy. We get a sneak peek at their new product. We talk about duck hunting and their trip out to Alaska. So now for a quick word from our sponsors and we'll jump right into the podcast. Hey guys, Tim from HTR here. If you really wanna get your group up front and in the action, check out our new HTR A-frame. Hunt anywhere, concealed. It sets up and takes down in less time than it takes to put your waders on. We've developed our own camo patterns for a better hide with more designs coming. We have you covered from the sides and the top. Oh, and did I mention, our A-frame is only 10 pieces out of the box. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and on htrinnovations.com. Hey guys, another great company that we have partnered with is Sportsman Taxidermy. And we had Corey on the podcast not too long ago, so jump back, check that one out. Really great content there. Um, but they do everything from waterfowl, deers, turkey, and they've even done a lion at the shop. It's award-winning taxidermy, and they're out of Belton, Missouri. Um, you can reach them at 816-331-5171 or email at taxidermy at outlook.com. And did I mention, if you're not in the area, they also do shipping, so that's great. Be sure to check them out, guys. We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. We'd also like to give a big thanks to our partners over at Bailey's Game Calls. These 3D printed plastic calls are made in America, highly customizable, and floating. They also have a patent pending on the density of their calls, which allows them to mimic wood and acrylic calls. Be sure to check out Bailey's Game Calls for your next duck or goose call. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube, my co-host Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube, and our guest for tonight is Jake from White Rock Decoys. And we actually lost the first maybe minute of audio, so we're going to jump in with Jake telling us about his trip from Alaska. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, man, it was a, it was a trip for sure. So if anybody out there hasn't seen or, or wondering what we're talking about, uh, me and one of the other owners of White Rock Decoys, and then my dad ended up going to Alaska, and it must have been about the third week of September. Um, it was a trip we've been planning for a couple of years, I'd say. 
But we put together a three-part video series, which is probably what you guys saw, I'm sure. And if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it because it was really, really fun to put together and um, really captured kind of what we were doing up there. But um, yeah, so it was a combination hunt for Black Brant, which you guys know what Black Brant are, Pacific Black Brant. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know what brands are, but I don't, I didn't know they were black. Are there different types of brands? So I think there's several different types. There's an East Coast and a West Coast. These were obviously West Coast Pacific Black brand, um, and that was kind of the main draw for the hunt. That's um, what this area of Alaska is known for. Uh, supposedly, it went or at this time in September, it has like 95 percent of the population of Black brand are in this little lagoon that we went to. Um, about October 10th or so, they all pick up out of this um, location in Alaska, and they fly straight down to Mexico, uh, like the Baja Peninsula. So that's what is drawing the waterfall hunters to this place in Alaska. Um, Cold Bay is the town it was called. So uh, the location is out on the tip of the Alaskan Peninsula. So if you look at like the state, that big long chain of islands out into the Pacific Ocean, it's one of the last towns kind of on the edge of the <laughs> edge of the world out there kind of seemed like uh, we flew into Anchorage got out a puddle jumper with maybe 15 other guys and then took a two and a half hour flight out to this cold bay awesome how, how many how many uh, um the the 15 guys that were with you were those all hunters I would say there was probably six to eight of the guys on the plane with us were hunters duck hunters duck hunters yep and then the other three or four or whatever were locals. So there's a town out there. I think the population's about 75, maybe 100. Um, not a lot of houses. There's a bar and a hotel just for some local stuff. You know, not a gas station, not a restaurant, nothing like that. But <laughs> uh, that's crazy. Just to think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was. Where, where'd you guys sleep? Where, where, where'd you stay in the hotel? So we went with. Uh, I would say. We've talked about this before, right? But I'm not much on guided hunts. But on this hunt, I mean, there's really no way to do it without a guide. So we knew a guy out there. He's actually a buddy of ours that we've known forever. Um, He's from our hometown of La Crosse, Wisconsin. And he started guiding out there like 10 years ago on this um, lagoon. And he's been talking to us for quite a while. You know, you got to come up. You got to come up. Got to come up. And we're like, finally, yeah. (laughs) All right, we're ready. We'll bring the video camera um, as long as we can kind of hunt like we want to hunt, you know, over the wind socks, shoot some candy geese and stuff. Um, yeah, we'll come up and do it. So uh, the guy's name was Jeff Wosley with four flyaways outfitters. And he really, to get out there and hunt this area, you have to have stuff. You got to have a big boat because you're hunting on the ocean. You got to have all these decoys. You got to have vehicles to tow the boats around, right? So over the last 10 years, he's been able to accumulate all this stuff out on uh, this remote island be a ferry. So he's getting a truck out there and decoys and boats on like these big ocean ferries. And that's how he got all the stuff out there. So if we wanted to go and just freelance this Alaskan duck hunt, it would be, I mean, you really can't. Um, so it was a guided hunt and that's, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it didn't feel like one in the videos. Yeah, it didn't feel like it. And it's probably cause he was a good buddy and we knew him really well. And he kind of let us call the shots a little bit too, yeah, which is yeah. something about guided hunts that we always kind of eh, we'll go, but then it's just shooting if you're not kind of in charge. 
Yeah. We're like, hey, you know, we're bringing out 150 Canada goose wind socks and we want to shoot Canada geese on these loafing beaches. Like I've seen the pictures and I've seen the tidal flats and the shallow water and like he's, he already does it. He knows. But, you know, if we weren't there, uh, they might go shoot, you know, some divers someday or um, just do layout boat hunting more. And we're like, ah, oh, no, we'd rather, we'd rather do this stuff kind of stuff. And he's like, yeah, let's go do it, man. So I would say we're not probably as typical clients either. Um, yeah. Uh, like this is pretty expensive if you were to do it. Um, we're pretty young for his typical clientele, kind of more fit, I would say. We're willing to pump some gear around and make, make a little more effort than maybe the typical, you know, guided <laughs> client that you would have. But no, it was, it was so fun. So what we did, it was black brant, um, little Canada geese, a few puddle ducks, some pintails, a few mallards. Um, it was kind of the early mixed bag of the hunting. And we combined that with silver salmon fishing. So hunt in the morning or hunt in the middle of the day. And then once we're done hunting, we've got our brand. We go fishing for um, salmon. So is, uh, on the, on the silver salmon, is that actually what they're called? Um, I think there would be like cohos around here. Is that okay. a thing? I'm not a big salmon guy, but I think their silvers cohos are pretty much the same thing. Okay. That's what I was wondering. That sounds right, Jordan. You know, you're a fly fisherman, right? Uh, yeah, th- that could be it. I mean, it was I, I couldn't tell from the video, I guess, which which type yeah. of salmon it was. No, they're big giant silvers, is what they call them, and they always run like second to fourth week of September up these itty bitty little creeks. Oh yeah, and awesome. I've never <laughs> seen anything like it, man. They are giant fish, and we were fishing a stream maybe you know ten yards across, mm-hmm. and you would sit there and watch hundreds of them go underneath you, just. <laughs> Not bite, and all of a sudden, boom, got one, and you're yeah. catching this ten-pound salmon, and whoosh, down the creek it goes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. How awesome. much fun is that, man? What a beautiful, what a beautiful place that is up there. From yeah, the video. it was. Did you guys eat, eat the salmon too? Oh yeah, yeah. It was yeah. funny. Steinberg, like he's really into fishing. I'm kind of into fishing. He's <laughs> really into fishing. So we would go out in the morning, we'd shoot all our brant and our Canada geese, and you know screw lunch, man. I'm going fishing. So he's down in the <laughs> Creek fishing and I'm like, I'll be down there in a half hour. And then we got to go and I'm like Steinberg supper, seven 30. We should probably go. Well, it's light till nine. He says, you know, what are we going in for? <laughs> he ended up, I think he ended up taking back 70 pounds oh of sand. Goodness. His carry wow. there, his, his luggage, Cause that's what the plane would allow him to take. You know, they pounds. got <laughs> 70 pounds is a limit. So we weighing it out on fish scales. Uh-huh. Yeah, all right. Here's 70 pounds. <laughs> so what did he enjoy more, the hunting or the fishing? Oh man, that was just right up his alley, all of it. It was right yeah. up my alley too. So it was just Yeah, that's what know, I was cool. thinking. Like a combo hunt like that for me would be like awesome, especially my dad yeah. too cuz he we both like fly fish a lot and we love hitting yeah. the salmon run. Um right. and then, you know, the duck hunting all that. And too, like one thing I thought was cool is just like uh, just having all all the eating of the game and the fish and that video. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's something Jeff would say all the time. You know, like, hey guys, if we want to eat tonight, there's no like grocery store on this island. Well, there is a little <laughs> one, but we're gonna eat Brant, and Brant is actually really, really good. It was he called it the flame and yawn of the sky. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> it was really funny. What was um, the best way to eat that? Just grilling it. Okay. Just like a steak. Some. Hmm. 
seasoning and on the grill and it was fresh and September was warm. We could stand around the grill and drink beer. And Was it similar you know, to duck as far as the taste or geese or what? I would say you ever had sandhill crane? I have not. So it was, it was better than duck, better than goose by far. It was more along the lines of sandhill crane, which is supposed to be the best eating yeah. waterfall. Huh. Know, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No. Now those brands are, they're pretty, they're small. They're not that much bigger than a mallard, right? Right. Yeah. They're pretty small. I don't know if they're actually considered a goose. I think the branch is a subspecies of its own. It's a I brand. I so, too. Um, okay. mm-hmm. But, yeah, I would say it's a little bigger than a mallard, kind of the size of a little Canada goose that we were also shooting. That's one so thing they, I noticed about the videos is is they kind of work more like a mallard than they do a goose, just the way they flick and actually bank a little bit. And Yeah, they were really goofy working birds. When I've never uh-huh. seen them. The guys who hunt them a lot obviously know how they look. But for Midwestern guys, you don't see brant hunting very often. Um, they're pretty flock or the flocks were pretty workable, you know, family groups of five to 15 to 20, you kind of see them. And if they're coming across this big open lagoon and you can tell they see your decoys, it's pretty good chance they're coming in like the whole flock just right in. So, Hmm. so did the brand, the brand count towards the same limit as your Canada geese then? Nope. Different brand was three a day, a person. And I think we shot our three brand every day. All of us. Nice. And then the Canada geese was five a person. And we never got close to that limit. There just wasn't that many. Um, mm-hmm. But we did work some and we got, we definitely got a, some good licks on Canada geese too. So you said those are the little ones, like the cracklers. Is that what they're? Cacklers. Cacklers, yeah. They call them <laughs> cacklers. <laughs> we sure. don't have those in my area. So. <laughs> we don't, no. Definitely not the big giants. They're all the little ones and the big flocks and um, those West Coast geese that those. Um, you know, Oregon and Washington guys are always chasing that they are really hard to shoot. Um, mm. That's kind of where they come from, <laughs> up there on the <laughs> western peninsula. So Nice. Did you guys keep track of a bird count to how many you actually ended up harvesting on the trip? I did not. I could probably guess. We hunted five days, and we hunted. We shot three brant for four of us, five days in a row. Yeah. Plus probably 25 Canada geese or so over the five days. Nice. Maybe 30. So it was probably, you know, 80 birds getting close for sure. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's that's almost as many uh, salmon as your buddy caught. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 70 pounds so, of them. <laughs> now, so, you, you had a little bear encounter up there, right? I, we I, did. Yeah. Anyway, I was Nothing. joking with John. We were doing John Lewis was on here recently. I said, you guys were going towards the bear. <laughs> away from the bear i don't know if that's very smart we weren't really uh prepared i would say like we we hadn't seen any bears but the guy jeff was up there he's like yeah there's bears around they just don't hang around the roads too much so this uh second or third day we got out in the boat and we probably went for a half hour boat ride out in the ocean he says okay boys this is bear country like, well, yeah, it looks like bear country. We're in Alaska. Of course, it's bear country. <laughs> she says, keep your eyes open. Like, okay, sure. We didn't really expect to see any bears. Um, and then maybe an hour into the hunt, Steinberg looks up and says, there's a bear over there, Jeff. <laughs> he says, yep, that's definitely a bear over there. So he was on the other side of kind of this bay or creek that we were on, just fishing for salmon. And I would say he was maybe probably 500 yards away when we saw him and I wanted to get a closer video of him. So we took the gun, 
<laughs> you know, just started walking towards him. He didn't really care that we were there. He uh, just kept eating. We probably got within 250 yards. Yeah. At least but. he was a little guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It was cool. I've never seen a bear, like, completely away from my car before. I've never been in the woods and seen a bear. We've never gone bear hunting. So, it was a unique Oh yeah, okay. I guess if he comes over here, <laughs> he, he's going to be pretty close. So, <laughs> no, that was fun. It was it was definitely duck and goose hunting under majestic mountains in bear country. That's exactly how you can subscribe ex- describe it. So, I've never been that um, had much of a desire to go duck hunting in Alaska because the more I watch it, it's like golden eye and divers and stuff like that but when i saw it you know you know how you guys were doing it yeah with grant and that is totally changed my perception of wanting to go out it'd be a long trip to just shoot golden eye and a few other divers and stuff right um, so that's that's cool it's kind of the two seasons and originally that's what jeff talked about he actually you guys have seen saint paul island they shoot the king eiders yeah out there uh, Tony Vandemore was out there last year with that big video. Mm-hmm. He guides out there as well. So there's kind of two seasons. The trophy sea duck season, which starts probably like November 1st and runs all the way through the end of January, where guys are shooting Pacific eiders and king eiders and the harlequin. But it's not a numbers hunt. It's You're going there to shoot a duck or three ducks or n- knock off some species off your list. But then this is a special hunt in September where it's more – like what we're used to at home in the Midwest, big numbers, you know, you can pile up 12, 20, 40, 50 birds in a day with a group of uh, more consistent flocks and chase them how we like to chase them around here. So that's what really drew us in there. Plus the combo hunt. Um, so when we were invited up there, we definitely chose September <laughs> to get in on that just cause that's who we are. That's what we like to do. I'm not a big trophy duck guy. I don't have any ducks mounted in my house. I don't really have a desire to go shoot a king eider, but man, I go shoot three Brant again. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, do you guys have plans to go back again, or? Um, we always got big plans. I wouldn't say you know we're not going back next year or anything, just because there's a lot of this world to <laughs> discover for duck hunting, and we got some big trips coming up in other places. But I would, I'd go back. Yeah, why not, man? It was, it was cool. <laughs> So was it like a, a grueling trip where you guys pretty tired and ready to go home by the end of it or? Um, the hours weren't so bad. We got a lot of sleep at night, which mm. is kind of weird on a duck hunt. Um, the unique thing about hunting the ocean tides, which I never knew was you're not actually hunting sunrise or sunset. The birds are moving off the tidal or the raising of the tide. So out in this lagoon, on low tide, all the birds are way out in the middle and feeding on the eel grass that they can eat when it's ankle deep water, you know, at low tide. They're not even close to shore. You can set up on shore. You, they won't come close to you. There's no water. But as the tide rises over a two to three hour period, it can come up four or five feet. Well, the birds can't reach any of the feed out in the lagoon. So that's when they start picking up off there and swinging into the shallow water and swinging in towards shore. So we were really basing the hunt around the rising tide and what time of day that was. So there's really no use of getting up at four 30 in the morning, driving out there in dark and setting up. We were driving out at nine in the morning, getting set up by 10 30 and then 
yep, here comes the tide. The water's coming up. The decoys are getting, you know, closer to the edge, and here comes the birds to the edge. So that was something truly unique that I didn't know actually was a thing <laughs> in the world. Hmm. Yeah, that's very uh, diff yeah. different from how we yeah. hunt them. <laughs> yeah, sure. So that allowed for, you know, sleep, getting to bed at 9 o'clock and waking up at 6. Not so bad. Yeah, it sounds like a dream. Sounds like a dream hunt to me. Yeah, not like a snow goose hunt where you're going to bed at 11.30 and getting up at 3.30. Now that's that's a grueling hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is probably a good time to talk about um, Lights All real quick. Lights All is a, a new sponsor of ours. I've actually had a relationship with them for quite a while and they sell lanterns, flashlights, um, headlamps, and the product is, is a fantastic product. I want to give a special thanks to them for being able to sponsor our podcast. Um, they're committed to lighting all your outdoor adventures and they have the right products to prove their commitment. Next Friday, Lights All is giving back. Hunger issue isn't only an issue in poorer countries, but it is a dire issue even in a country like the USA. One in six people in America faces hunger and 49 million across the country struggle to put food on their plate. That's why Lightsoul is taking this Thanksgiving to help out the community. Lightsoul is introducing a mixed bundle pack with all sorts of lights for the outdoors. They're calling it the hunger pack and they're offering it for 50% off only for Black Friday weekend. On top of that, they are donating 10% of every sale to the leading national hunger nonprofit. If you missed out on the previous packed bundle deal, here's your chance. $1 equals 10 meals. And I'll just say about lights all again is when I obtained one of their flashlights, they've got this huge like torch. I can't remember how many lumens it is like 2000 or it's, it's crazy. And these are like not cheap quality products. They are really high quality. And what I love, what I totally ad living here. What I love about this is I, I take it out duck hunting and anytime you know you're out there sitting and here comes lights towards you you don't know what guys are going to set up man i get that baby out and just <laughs> <laughs> they're not setting up by you <laughs> well the, you, know, you guys know how it is in the dark it's like it's really difficult to judge distance like when you see lights yeah really hard so you want as bright a light as possible to make people walking think you're way closer than you are <laughs> so are these a, a flashlight or like a spotlight or well it's a flashlight um they, they've got the flashlight which um, it's pretty decent size, but then they've got a, a headlight as well. Mm -hmm. That is the brightest, strongest headlight I've ever had on. Yeah. Uh, so they've got, they've got multiple products and, and multiple size, but I like the big flashlight torch and I just keep it in my bag just for that one reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it, it has a massive circle radius. So yeah. if I want to look at the decoy spread in the dark, yeah, that, that actually allows you to see, really see well too. It's a great product. It's a great product. So I got a funny story. I guess I can talk about if we're talking about flashlights. Sure, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's funny. It's a little tip, maybe. So on um, <laughs> second opener around here on the Mississippi River, it's typically one of the best hunting days of the year, but it's also really crowded. So um, we go out and scout, and we always try to find spots away from people that you can kind of get away from people. And this year, there just wasn't birds where people aren't going to be like we knew they're going to be people. So what we do when that is a scenario, if we're going out with four or five guys, we'll take out four or five boats and go sit in different spots and kind of hold our area and use big lights. So people think, okay, 
this area, this whole bay is already taken completely full of guys. <laughs> and then at, you know, 10 minutes before shooting time, kind of get together and all hunt together and just kind of leave our lights sitting out there and they go away. So that's a, a little trick that sometimes works. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to next opener, I'm going to get a bunch of scarecrows and mount headlamps yeah, there you go. Yeah. all over yeah. the marsh, just stake them there and <laughs> put, put headlamps on them. Yeah. <laughs> so here's an ethics question, and I've been kind of playing around with this in my mind. Um, opening day teal, some guys did that to us um, yeah. on this small little shallow pool, and this pool was easily big enough to hold two or three groups comfortably, like three, yeah. four hundred yards apart from each other. Yeah. And there were seven of them, and they spread out and took the entire pool, and then they came back together. Yeah. And I was thinking, so I'm like, at what point? is it unethical to take up so much space sure. that you need? And I'm not saying you guys are unethical. I'm just saying, oh. I think it's a good discussion. It's like, there's a point in which you're taking up so much space you don't need that it becomes selfish. Absolutely. Yeah. And what do you think the range is for? Man, this Mississippi river can get really dirty with hunters. It's not even funny how close guys will set up on you. I would say around here, you know, a couple hundred yards, it'd be really nice to have that to yourself. Yeah. And if you think you're going to save half a mile or a big, huge open lake to yourself, you're just not going to. It's impossible. Guys yeah. will figure it out. But if you can get guys to just, you know, give us two, three, four hundred yards, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with with yeah. doing that at all i questioned the guys on the teal hunt a little bit because they took the entire marsh yeah it's not a huge marsh but they took the whole thing yeah so that seven of them could stand side by side and shoot yeah. maybe you yeah. shouldn't have slept in so late elliot <laughs> we didn't sleep in late <laughs> just... and we still shot our limit within an hour so we were okay yeah. no, <laughs> there's a certain hard time. early that i'm like okay it's yours i mean i have my yeah. limit yeah as far as time at some point i'm just like tipping my hat it's like okay it's yours yeah. you want it yeah. there there's people around here that get so angry. In fact, um, did you guys watch the flooded timber hunt we had yeah. on YouTube? Uh -huh. So after Alaska, we came back, got a quick second opener hunt in that Saturday. Um, it was okay. And then the water started coming up and started flooding in the woods. So by the next Saturday, we knew we were going to have this kind of unique opportunity to hunt flooded timber in Wisconsin. And we scouted really hard Wednesday. We hunted Thursday. Scouted again Friday and kind of thought we had a really good spot for Saturday morning, way back in the woods. Like nobody else was going back there. Um, and, but we knew it was going to be Saturday morning. So we get up Saturday morning and there's guys line this bay, probably three groups. And we got to drive right by them, like almost through their decoy spread to get back into the woods. Ah. And they were shining us the whole way. And we could hear <laughs> from the, all the way across the bay. They didn't want nothing to do with us coming back in there. And we're like, guys, I know that you think we're encroaching, but we're going so far back in that woods, you're never going to even hear us shoot. But they were not happy that we were even moving towards that direction. And that's just something, I don't know, swearing in the marsh at people driving around. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty rare that I'll say anything to anybody. <laughs> so did you guys, did you have an interaction with them? We just kept driving the boat right back through them. Like it was way steep water through the woods. We were probably, you know, 20 yards from when we drove the boat by, but we didn't say anything. We just kept going. We never yeah. saw them again. They left early because it turns out they weren't in the right spot. They're out on the edge of the woods, too deep. All the ducks were back in the woods, 
in the shallower water, which is where we were going. So that's, mm. you know, they left early because they weren't shooting anywhere. <laughs> anymore, if I see if I see lights and they're, I think they're anywhere close to where I'm at. I had, I just head right to them and just, yeah. I would rather talk to the people yeah. and just be as nice as possible. In fact, it happened just Saturday. These guys, two guys were walking right up to where I was going and I just took off right to them and, and they're like, you know, what you doing? I'm like, well, can I just come and talk to you for a second? Yeah. And so I went over there. Okay, where are you going? Where am I going? And that's kind of the last three years I've started doing that. I would rather discuss it with someone than be fearful. And, and sometimes you can also like, uh, if, if you know the area better than you can guide them to a place that you know, well, I saw ducks over there. If you just keep walking, you know, I, that that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple of years. And with Absolutely. one exception, it's worked really well. Yeah, we do that almost 100% of the time when we run into people in the field, especially out west um, or in the central, excuse me, central flyway hunting fields for ducks or geese in the fall. If somebody if somebody comes to the field that we're already in, we'll invite them in. If somebody beats us there, hey, are you just a guy or two? You know, don't go set up on the other end of the field. Let's talk it out. And sometimes it works, and sometimes they tell you to get bent, and sometimes, you know, they go on the other side of the field. We had one guy. We were setting up in the field and we had four and he was there with his two kids and he just didn't want to, you know, join into a group of that many with his two younger kids. And we're like, that's fine. Big field, lots of ducks. But he said, yeah, you guys are here first. It's not posted in North Dakota. So anybody could hunt it. He said, I'll let you choose wherever you guys want to go. You go and we'll just go to the other corner. I'm like, all right, that's fair. And we, we chose a spot thinking we were kind of in front of them, you know, where the ducks were. And the ducks came from a totally different direction, and they shot so many ducks as we watched that day. Uh, it was cool for them because you'd hear the kids laugh, and they're like, "Oh man, whatever." That was cool, but I think he knew he was a local. He knew that we picked the wrong spot when we started driving the other way. Uh, it's funny. nice. Yeah, we we rarely have too many shouting matches. One time, spring snow goose hunting, a group did not appreciate us being in a cornfield, but. Other than that, it's been pretty good. My problem is most of the time I talk to these guys, I'm in a layout boat and they're not. And so if, if I've worked to get into a layout boat area, I'm not going to ask a couple. I'm not going to join up with guys. Um, sure. They can't do the same thing. Yeah, they can't do the same thing. That's the biggest issue I run into as far as joining groups. Plus, m the vast majority of the guys just take shots I don't want to take. Elliot sure. calls them uh, bucket squatters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, bucket squatters are fine around trees, but bucket squatters, yeah. prairie marsh, I mean, literally, they'll walk out and sit on a bucket with no cover at all, drop a spinner 45 yards from them, and that's their shot number one. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. And you watch them, and they're spraying cripples all over the place. And hey, I, I used to be a bucket squatter. So, I bet you know. it's pretty good for the first 30 minutes before daylight. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I used to be a bucket squatter that I'd sit on a bucket, not – shoot at 25 yard close shots but yeah i mean they they can they can get uh 45 to 60 yard shots doing it that way yeah yeah if that's your thing <laughs> so uh yeah so how, how's your hunting been uh in wisconsin so far you guys having a pretty good season there um so that was kind of the rundown so far of our season i'd say we we did early goose for a couple days which was not so good we went to alaska for a week which was Obviously epic. Uh, came back, had an okay second opener. Had those few four or five days in the flooded timber, which were really, really fun. 
I wouldn't say it was really, really good. We've had better flooded timber, but just the opportunity up here doesn't um, show itself more than three or four times or three or four years out of every three or four years it shows itself. I would say since I've been hunting here since I was 18 or 19, maybe three or four times that we've had flooded timber in the fall that the ducks actually are kind of working in it. Well, it um, seems like you guys are always having some type of flooded hunt that's awesome. You know, you get flooded. Right. And then, no, flooded like is flood awesome. That was and... two years ago. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's – uh, and then since then, it's been really, really bad. <clears throat> Honestly, I haven't even gone since mm, um, we had that big cold. We had snow up here and everything. Mm-hmm. A lot of birds moved in. They got hunted four or five days, got really stale, kind of moved out, and it's been really nice. I would say it's been golfing weather up until <laughs> probably today. I would say starting today and moving into the next two weeks, we'll get after them because it's going to start getting cold. Yeah, yeah, that's <clears> going to be perfect. Yeah, it's been for us as well. It's been so stale. Um, like you said, we had that cold push kind of pretty close to the beginning of our season as well. And then um, actually it was, I think, a week before, come to think of it, um, and so we haven't had any weather to move any birds. It's just like the st- the same local birds over yeah. and over, and uh, they're just not having it. So <laughs> what can you do? Just wait for the weather, I guess. That's what you do. Yeah. Don't kill yourself when there's nothing to <laughs> shoot. Kind of save yourself when it's really go time. So yeah. we take well, I haven't taken that approach. I've just been killing myself and <laughs> not killing a Keep lot of going. birds. <laughs> Keep going. I know you guys. Yeah, I've seen Elliot. You out there, too. <laughs> Just whacking at them. Yeah. Grinding away. Shooting a bunch of blanks is what I'm doing lately. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I've been getting uh, pictures from our buddy Johnny Lewis up there. He's in Manitoba Mm -hmm. right now, actually. He got up there Saturday. He swung through here. He drove all the way from New York all the way to Manitoba. It was like 26 hours, something silly. But That's crazy. His interstate drove right through my hometown. So I gave him a couple bags of decoys to take up there, a couple bags of wind socks, and he's been sending me uh, pictures of the mallard feeds up there still that are just unreal, like <laughs> 15,000 wow. mallards sitting in these little open puddles in the <laughs> in the ice still, keeping it open. So, oh, wow. But I think it's supposed to get to like negative like four up there on Friday night, Thursday night, so that will be done. They should yeah. really start. I don't know how far they'll go. I don't know. Elliot, they'll probably hit you if it gets that cold. <laughs> yeah, I'm, we're certainly going to get a big push. There's no yeah. doubt. I mean, we already have had way more mallards and big ducks than normal this time of year by far yeah. already. So, I mean, the migration's so far ahead of what it normally is. Yeah, this cold, it, it will freeze North Dakota and South Dakota, I would think. Yeah. By next week. So. It's perfect because I'm hunting – like Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Friday. So, I mean, I've got this whole, this hunt trip planned and it, this, it could not hit at a more perfect time. That's awesome. (laughs) Hopefully we'll, we've been having problems just getting birds in. I know it's probably the stale weather, but Mm -hmm. I'm getting paranoid now because I just can't get anything to drop down into the decoys, even though there's birds around. And I'm just saying, okay, it's no wind and good weather. It's no wind, but it kind of gets in your head. You know, you start feeling like it's, (laughs) it's a matter with these birds. Yeah. Right. (laughs) They know more than I know. On, on our on our second on our uh, one of we have multiple openers here, but on one of our openers we had scouted this place a bunch, and they was holding tons of ducks. We were right where they had been landing, and we sat there the entire day and watched p- 
pintails and gadwalls and mostly pintails and gadwalls. Some mallards too, just fly and go to the opposite end of the marsh. I mean, they just had, it was a full moon um, that night, no wind. And we just watched and they just didn't, it's like we're invisible, absolutely invisible to these birds. Yeah. That full moon is tricky. That full moon can really throw ducks off there. (laughs) It was frustrating. It was, it was frustrating though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate hunting the full moon. We used to go to North Dakota, or we still do. But this year, that full moon landed right on the week we were gonna go. And we're like, man, I just they start feeding at night, and you can't pattern them, and you just can't get them. <laughs> They're not gonna come in. We don't do the same thing over and over. So, mm. yeah, those, I think that's. I'd place. say that's <laughs> underlooked um, weather conditioner condition that a lot of guys don't think about like, why aren't we killing ducks? Could be the full moon. Yeah. Have to add that one to the hunt stats, Elliot. Yeah, I know that for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I just did add to the hunt stats is you can sort it by state now and you can see the different statistics for each, each state, which is pretty cool. Um, interesting to do now as far back to the full moon a little bit. So do you not see them flying as much on a full moon? Cause like that full moon day we saw, pl- they were flying and coming in constant. Uh, but they so I would say they feed differently. So if you're scouting them or you saw them there the night before, is that what you said? Well, a whole week, I mean, lots. Um, yeah. Days Typically what I'm saying the full moon messes with them is if you see a big feed of ducks at night mm-hmm. or like in the evening, and you go back there in the morning expecting this big flight to come back. They just don't come back. They fed so long into the darkness that night. Yeah. They don't come back in the morning. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the. I the wonder how that affects like your shallow marshes. Cause I know that like around here on that opener, there was a section right up close to it um, that was open. And, and I know that they had been night feeding um in those marshes they were on a night feeding pattern there yeah so i i'm just wondering how that affects where we were because i don't know it's just it's it's tough to figure out yeah that's full moon tough to figure out <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh you guys have a, a new product over there at uh white rock decoys we do that's a good segue jordan <laughs> um yeah, we've been working hard on something for a couple of years now, and we actually just kind of soft launched it today. So this was a good timing for this podcast, but it's up on our website now. Um, it is a new full body snow goose decoy. Um, I don't know. You want to hear a little backstory behind it or you want to just see it? Yeah, both. Uh, yeah, both. both. All right. So I'll tell you a little backstory, then I'll show it to you because not very many people have seen it yet. We've kind of been holding it tight, but um, so... We've talked before, but I am a big believer in windsocks, silhouette decoys, big spreads of decoys, right? That's what White Rock Decoys was founded on, big spreads of mobile decoys. And we shoot ducks and geese and everything over them, and we videotape over them and hammer guys home over and over and over again. You know, you can kill ducks and geese over windsock decoys and over silhouette decoys. And the proof is in the pudding, right? Our videos, our pictures possible and everybody's like yeah man that's great for you because <laughs> <laughs> still 95 percent of waterfowlers they're hunting over full body decoys right would you guys say that's i mean at least some sort oh, yeah. of full bodies or 
full shape decoys in their spread. Yeah. Um, there's very few like us that just strictly go, we're doing wind socks and silhouettes. So the majority of waterfalls hunt over full body decoys. And we saw that. We knew that as a girl had uh, snow goose wind socks and the canna goose wind socks and the silhouettes. We kind of ran out of room to expand the product line. So we knew we wanted to come up with a full body decoy. Um, probably four or five years ago, we launched a foam full body decoy. So it's kind of like that old turkey foam decoys you guys have seen. More of like a new age version of that. Super lightweight. Um, they looked okay. They weren't very durable. They didn't really work in the cold. But for us, we were thinking, you know, if guys really want 12 to 24 of these super lightweight full body decoys, here you go. You can carry full body decoys out there. We weren't really thinking what was going to happen when we launched this product. And guys started buying hundreds of them. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're going to hunt over hundreds of decoys, shouldn't you be hunting over windsocks and silhouettes? I mean, that's what we would do. But they were buying these foam decoys that weren't working for that kind of scenario. They weren't fast. Uh, they weren't durable enough. And they just weren't as realistic as full body decoy guys wanted them to be. So we kind of went back to the drawing board on that. We discontinued that product a couple of years ago. And we have brought now, um, since then, the plastic mallards that you guys have been using, the Pool 7s and the Nomad floaters. We've been dabbling in the plastic material a lot with those and have moved that kind of line into an EVA plastic decoy. And it's going to work a lot better. It's uh, physically actually going to work for the guys who want a lightweight, mobile, full-body decoy that they can run, you know, hundreds of and still get that realistic, you know, unreal, unbelievably realistic um, version of a full-body decoy. And that's what we kind of have now. So we just launched it this week. I got it here. This is our EVAC series full-body snow goose decoy. Awesome. Um, I'm trying to find the camera. Hold up. <laughs> there it is. No, over here. So we are um, selling these through Rogers Sporting Goods. They have them in stock. Um, they are a lighter weight plastic. I would say they're on the lines of the Pool 7 Mallards that you guys have, the lighter or the thicker EVA, so they're going to hold their form really good, but they do have a little bit of squish to them. Um, but just an unreal carving. I don't know if you guys can. There we go. And for um, those of you who are just listening, uh, uh, Jake's showing us in his, in his camera the – uh, the snow goose decoy they get those guys have out there and it, it looks great awesome texture and um, lifelike snow goose yeah. there super lifelike so this is what we're launching this spring like i said they're available now we're really thinking for the spring snow goose hunter that wants to hunt over full body decoys now white rock decoys has a real full body decoy for the grinded out snow goose hunter that needs something that's going to work day in day out um and obviously you're going to kill birds over a full body snow goose. It looks like that. Um, and it's super light and a really, really good price. Um, they're available through Rogers sporting goods right now. They're 180 bucks a dozen. And if you buy five dozen or more, they're going to be 160 bucks a dozen. So super cheap, lightweight. They set out really fast. And like I said, the carving is just unreal. We worked with a guy out of uh, Southern California, a young guy. We got a video on him as well. Super talented sculptor, um, former taxidermist. The things, the things are just awesome. So, 
if you want to check them out for sure on whiterockdecoys.com or our Facebook page or again on Rogers Sporting Goods. Sweet. Man, I cut in and out. I missed most that I'm gonna have to rewatch. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know if it's my internet or yours, but <laughs> it's mine. I, I I kept losing connection, but those are, those look sweet for sure. Yeah, they're gonna be sweet. Did, did, did I hear you say those are made out of the same material as the Mallard floaters? Correct. Yeah, same EVA plastic. So one piece, super durable. Never gonna bl- never gonna break them. Uh, the trick is the thickness of the plastic that we've been playing with a lot. Um, just to get it the right thickness where they're not going to be collapsible. They're going to be the full shape or full form whenever you want to hunt them. Cause that's what the guys are really not loving about the foam decoys was you could never get them full shape. They were never looking pretty enough for a full body decoy. And we understood that, you know, I thought they looked better than a windsock or a silhouette personally. They did. I mean, they were more full shape, those foam ones, but never to the point where the guys wanted the crisp lines and a decoy that really looked that realistic. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh. And has that full seal hit the market yet? I'm sorry, say that again? Has that hit the market full full release yet? Um, we kind of soft released it on our website. It's on our website. We haven't done the big, ah, it's here yet. Next couple of days, we'll have that kind of out there for everybody. But you can go buy them on Rogers Sporting Goods. They have them up now. They have them in stock. Um, and like I said, we're starting with the snow, but this is going to be the new kind of generation of white rock decoys. I'm not going to, you know, lie to you. We got the windsocks, we got the silhouettes, and now we're going to have a new mobile lightweight um, line of full bodies too. So that's very, that's that's very cool. Um, it's exciting. I, <laughs> I don't know if I should ask this or not, but uh, do you guys have anything planned similarly for other species? <laughs> I mean, yeah, we got this snow goose here for this spring, which is really great. <laughs> but no, we're, it's, yeah, we're going to be working on a bunch of other stuff, um, you know, for the next summer and the next year, for sure. Cool. We'll have a bunch of new stuff coming out. Oh, that's neat. I've got a question about um, mallard socks and, and wind sure. uh, for you. I've been waiting to ask this. So we went out on one of the openers and we were, we had a big flood down here. And um, we found a farm. It was not really a crop field. It was just kind of natural, whatever. And the farmer had mowed some of it down. And the ducks were going there like crazy. It's like ankle deep water. Okay. And so I'm like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to use the mallard socks because it's, it, yeah. it, it thought it worked great. So we went out and there was absolutely no wind that day. Okay. Um, and so we started out with, with having those out and the floaters as well. And no wind at all. Nothing would land. So I was like, well, maybe we should try pulling those wind socks. Maybe, maybe no wind in it is having an effect. We pulled them. Didn't sure. help us at all. Actually, what had happened is the, the, the water had receded. The flood had receded overnight. And that was our problem. But my question was, I, I left I, in that situation. I was just like, I don't know enough about socks to know how effective have you found mallard socks to be with wind? And is there a time where you're like, don't use them because the wind is not enough what, what's your thoughts on that um so you think they weren't coming because the water got too low like overnight like yeah. water is the best that whole just yeah that's the reason why okay so then yeah i mean working the set they just weren't i think what they're doing is they're coming and looking and like well that's not the same as yesterday right right and they're not looking at the ducks or the decoys they're looking at the water and saying the water ain't right why would in fact, we, like- dropping, but we were out there two hours 
and we had decoys that were ankle deep water that were on dry ground by the time we left. So we just picked up, yeah. moved a different spot, ended up a little deeper, ended up shooting our limit. But yeah, I just found myself real unsure about um, the viability of those on low wind or what your experiences have been with them. So we've had um, pretty, mostly pretty good experience of hunting a, you know, an X field with no wind with duck socks for ducks okay. for sure. Um, shallow water where we're trying to pull ducks that isn't an x mm -hmm. you know i might not do as many socks on a no wind day but when, like you said no wind it's kind of hard to shoot a duck anyway that's not yeah. coming to your spot right so mm -hmm. it really come down to the confidence of what you have in your decoys so i would use what you have the most confidence in and if you had the confidence in the floaters and the duck socks worked or looked a little goofy yeah pick them up um what we would typically do, you know, I would say if there's no wind and you had the option to run silhouettes or Canada goose silhouettes, you could do that. Um, or if you had the lightweight floaters to get you back in there, just so you'd have more confidence. That's what the lightweight floaters are for. Um, but we've definitely killed ducks that were coming to a spot on no wind days over the wind socks for sure. Okay. So they're not going to scare them in, them in themselves. It's just the same thing as, you know, if I have seven dozen floater decoys out there with no wind, it's going to be the same thing as it doesn't right. enhance the no wind. No, I mean, I really haven't seen that. What we always say is um, a windsock decoy in its basic form doesn't really look like a bird anyway, right? Like when you break it down in your head, you're, it doesn't look perfect, even when it's windy. What you're hunting is the illusion of kind of a lot of birds. So you have a lot of stuff out there that would maybe draw them in, or you're using them because they're lightweight and you can get them to places that you couldn't get other decoys. Mm -hmm. um, so we really don't worry too much on how they look as long as they're in the spot where the ducks and the birds are wanting to be. Okay. That so, and you'll, once you kind of see it happen a couple of times, um, you'll gain more confidence and you're like, yeah, just shake them a little bit. They'll look fine. They'll work fine. Yeah. And I thought they, I thought they looked fine. Um, when they're out, you know, as I was sitting in my layout boat, looking at them with the heads and everything, I thought they looked just fine. Yeah. Um, so follow up question. We've got a lot of the um, areas around here have planted flooded corn this year. Yeah. And so right now there's not very many Canada's around geese around. In fact, we won't get a lot of geese until December till, I mean, for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but in that situation where there's not a lot of Canada's around, if I'm going to these flooded cornfields and some of which is ankle deep, is it still going to be, what are your thoughts on, cause I'm going to use the mallard socks if we go to those places. Oh, I would use the Canada's too. Is that what okay. you're getting at? Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Even without an abundance of them around, sure. still it's going to have a positive result. Absolutely. Yeah. Dark bird. I mean, they know what a Canada goose is for sure, especially if it's mallards and flooded corn. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah, okay. put them out. Okay, because that's why. Because I, 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 that's what I'm trying to find in this corn is like the edge of the corn, and then into about knee deep. Yeah. And put all of the socks and silhouettes kind of in the shallowers, and then put the nomads in the pool seven. Out. Oh yeah. Yep. That, and so the idea is to try to really bombard bombard these public marshes with yes. this spread that these ducks have not seen in these public marshes exactly yep that you can do because you got this mobile yeah <laughs> lightweight capability of getting all those decoys in there yeah that's what we do on the river here too okay. out of our boats so we like wow. to um transition so i wouldn't 
do a hard line of socks floaters kind of mix them out like do a you know what i'm talking about just kind of sprinkle them kind of yeah together because those those socks can go calf deep i mean probably even a little bit even a little more than that i would think yeah 24 inch stakes so for sure knee deep i would say yeah Yeah. hard bottom okay mix them in mix them in yeah for sure i know this is becoming all about me and my benefit but (laughs) interesting and so with I don't have a lot of experience setting up mixed spreads of Canada's and mallards. So how do you, what's the placement and the mix between those two species? Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Just mix them intermittently too. It's not like Canada's and then. No, you can, it's not going to probably make a difference. Honestly, like I would never think, Oh man, those ducks didn't come in because the Canada's were out front <laughs> yeah. or the ducks were all mixed together. Um, what they're seeing is a large group of birds there. I mean, I and if they're coming there, all the better. They're definitely going to come in. Yeah. If they're not coming there, they see the large group of birds. They're not going to, oh, the Canada geese and the ducks, they don't like to mix together. No, just okay. whatever feels right, I would say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Okay. Appreciate it. What do you think, Jordan? Uh, yeah, I would do the same. Just <laughs> get a big spread. Big spreads. <laughs> the way to yeah. go. So no, that'll be exciting to see how you guys uh, come up in the next week or two compared to how we do what you see. And yeah, well, I think we'll definitely have a ton of birds around. It's just, you know, even if you have a ton of bird, birds around, sometimes those mallards just have a way of figuring out how not to get killed by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're tricky. Yeah, they can be the smart ones. They can be. Mm-hmm. And we're layout boat hunting a lot of it, which is a whole different element when you don't have trees. And you're laying out with three guys and a dog and maybe two dogs, the hide becomes that much harder. Even in layout boats, yeah. it, it can become Yeah, that's your main thing. Right? Like if they're seeing you, it doesn't matter what your socks look like or your spread yeah. looks like. That's game over. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Well, I think uh that pretty much wraps us up for the evening. Uh we really appreciate you coming on again, Jake, and sharing all your uh knowledge about wind socks and hunting um if there's anything you'd like to you know say say to the people watching and go ahead and plug all your social media as well sure yeah i mean you guys know where to find me uh whiterockdecoys.com on facebook and instagram and youtube we're at white rock decoys like i said watch for uh the new snow goose full body launch that we're coming out with this week uh if you're a big snow goose hunter we're actually going to do a giveaway coming up in december too for like 10 dozen, 120 decoys are going to be given out. Um, oh, I, I know what. We're also doing Cyber Monday sale in about three weeks. It's a big White Rock decoy thing that we do every year. A lot of guys get excited over it, so awesome. you know it's coming. So make sure to watch for White Rock decoy Cyber Monday. We do. Anything else you'd like to add, Elliot? Nope. I'd say if he's on one more time, we call him kind of the extended cover. <laughs> Go <laughs> oh, right. We better wait a while then. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> it is great having you on. That new intro is full already. I, I like yeah. it. Stick yeah. your mug in there one time. Yeah, I don't need my mug. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Jake from White Rock Decoys. And we'll see you guys next time. See you guys. And that's a wrap. 
Really appreciate you guys tuning in week in and week out for another podcast. Awesome having you guys here. Awesome the support we have from you guys. This week, I'm going to ask you guys for a quick favor. Please, please, please drop us a review over on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot. And share this podcast or any of our podcasts with a friend and let them know about the Duck Gun Podcast. And lastly, guys, make sure to check us out over on the Facebook group. We really have a lot of cool content sharing our hunt pictures and and uh, content over there as well. So that's all we got for this week, guys. Hope your hunting season's going well. We're dead into it now and couldn't be more excited. All right, guys, that's all we got, and we'll see you next week. Let's go.